0: Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're gonna be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events and money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. So welcome once again to Keeping Up With Data. Myself, Joel Robinstein. And today we're joined by Russell Hunter.
1: Russell, how are you? Very well, Joel, yourself?
0: Um, actually really well. I had a nice lunch out with a client today. So a couple of glasses of wine was, uh, was very nice, very enjoyable. Um, So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, not a problem at all. Um, As always on this show, I won't tell people who you are because I'm sure you know much better than me who you are. So please just take one or two minutes just to introduce yourself to everyone.
1: Yeah, so Russell Hunter, uh, I have been in the data field now for 15 years or so. Um, Spent a number of years at both Optus and Telstra running their advanced analytics teams. And then for the last couple of years, Uh, Spent that building a company called Cuso for the Mantle Group, which is a Databricks consultancy.
0: Nice. So you, we can safely say someone who's been around. Yep. Yep. Cool. And you've done the big environment and you've then done the kind of smaller environment as well. So quite a lot of experience in that sense. You've led large teams as well. Is that right? Yep. Fantastic. So today definitely want to focus on leadership styles, uh, differences in, in the big enterprise versus the small business when you're trying to build it up. Also something that's a topic that you said we're happy to talk about, you're obviously moving into the job market again. Yep. So what that looks like for you, what your plan is, because I think there's a lot of people out there this year who are gonna be in a similar boat to you. So to hear from someone such yourself as to what your plan is with that will be really interesting for them. But let's go back in time, if that's all right with you. Sure. Test your memory first. Um, Optus was 11 years or so that you were there? Yep. Brilliant. Do you wanna just kind of talk us through your journey, where you started? what that looked like.
1: Yeah, so I started out in the product team um, there at, at Optus, which is building all of the the products that they take to market, um, and then progressively moved into more and more analytical roles over my time there. So uh, I spent a few years in the corporate strategy team doing all the mobile strategy um, and the competitor analysis for them. Um, and then I moved into the, the commercial team, was looking after one of the commercial groups for the the team, and then moved into the the analytics space where I did a variety of roles. I ran the um, ran the analytics team. I ran the advanced analytics team. I ran the campaign team for a, for a period of time. So, lots of marketing um, focused analytical roles. Very customer focused. With very customer focused. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: So you are an interesting case study because. As opposed to most people who come on the podcast, you didn't necessarily come from a really technical, statsy, math background. You're saying you came from products?
1: I'm an engineer. An
0: engineer? engineer okay.
1: Engineer originally.
0: Engineer. And then, so how does an engineer move to products? So you were building the products? Yeah. Or, okay, right. So it yep. wasn't like a product manager.
1: So a product management type role. Right. So product development manager uh, role. Okay. So you are that
0: interesting sweet spot between someone who can do the technical, but is also now... Very customer-facing, understands that side of things. Client-facing, considering your new role as well. So you're in that kind of middle of all of it, right? Exactly. And you said recently just now before the podcast that don't put you in front of any code though because you don't want to break anything. Is that still the case? I just
1: find that my teams (laughs) are uh, much, much closer to that. It's uh, much better if you've got an experienced data engineer deploying the data pipelines. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, So let's stick with Optus um, because I think it's, it's, it's quite an interesting case study for you so why did you get into data because you know as it's, so you're it's, an engineer right it's not
1: so it's, the i mean it was probably the it's that sweet spot there um so one telcos have got uh absolute stack load of data that they can do really interesting mm. things with um it was when i was transitioning when i was in corporate strategy at the time um it was where all the big data um, was the height of the big data stuff. So 2010, yeah. 2011, that was, that was the next big um, thing. So you could see that wave um, coming. What was also going to happen there in the telcos is, you know, like all of these organizations, what they'd had to that point in time was a Teradata appliance. Yeah, of course. And so they could collect a limited amount of data and then you start bringing in things like Hadoop and then now you can start processing all of the data that's coming off a mobile network, um, which you can imagine is just... Petabytes of yeah. data, crazy, um, and you can start to do some really interesting um, things with it. So you can—they used it for things like you'd remember this: you used to get your mobile phone bill and it'd be two hundred and fifty dollars, and you'd go, and it'd all be driven by your data overage. Yeah, you like, what did I spend it? Yeah, on?
0: where did I go overseas? What
1: happened? Yeah, so they <laughs> they started processing all of the traffic across the network, so that if a customer called into the contact center, they could actually say, well, actually on this day you had a whole bunch of youtube oh yeah that was the day i gave the ipad to the child in the hospital because someone was there like it's turned a flipped conversations really quickly from the negative to the positive um and it's probably the long way to come back to why did i get into data it's because you can do stuff like that with it it makes it possible to unlock opportunities yeah um and do different things to how you've traditionally done them I really like that first example that
0: you used because it's such a real life example that, you know, most people who get into data think, oh, you know, I'm good at maths, I'm good at stats, kind of makes sense, and then they learn that as they go, but it sounds like coming from a product background, you were so customer centric anyway, you went, wow, look look how different our experience can be with these customers if we just Uh, know more.
1: My passion's always been about the the whole innovation space and and what is now possible. Yeah. Um, And that's where, I mean, that's where data is now, so you... You're talking about you have, no, no, you have the ability to collect lots of data. Um, if you want to mm. we can come back to whether that's actually a good idea or not. <laughs> um, you have the ability now with any one of the cloud providers with just stack loads of computing yeah. power if you want it. Um, so it gives you the ability to go, I can get the data or I can actually process it and then you go, okay, now I can fundamentally rethink everything about my business. Um, if I want to. I think. There's a lot of organisations in Australia who are not quite embracing that yet. Yep. Um, they're on that cusp, but it's um, that's the opportunity. Well, yeah,
0: that's the exciting thing. And obviously, when you, without getting into Cuso too quickly, that is the opportunity for those types of consultancies now, because there's still so many companies that don't know what they're doing, and that's you know not necessarily that knocking them or their fault. Yes, there's the outliers that we see, like the big banks or whoever who are investing in it, but there's almost the hidden mid-layer of companies in Australia that you don't really see on your day-to-day happenings that are just they don't know where to start and I guess that's where people like yourself can come in and really help
1: oh and I mean the interesting thing about it though is those organizations you know when I was at CUSO was um, they were doing some of the more interesting
0: stuff yeah
1: because they were small enough that they weren't encumbered by Mm. what a Telstra or a NAB or a CBA or something like that, who's got like sixty thousand people, and that's you have to change that whole machine. Yeah, you know they have five people who do that. It's really easy for them to change that process. Yeah, okay. So they could actually do some really cool um, stuff with data.
0: It's interesting because we've been doing a lot more, and it's very basic stuff. We're not analysts, but just the amount of automation we're able to run in our business of thirty people, and we just like today I had an idea and I booked it in Andreana's day tomorrow. I'm like, we're going to automate that part of the process and it'll be done by Friday because there's no red tape. So I'm guessing when you were back at
1: Optus, it wasn't that kind of environment where you could just bang, get something done. I mean, they all organizations struggle with the whole innovation thing. It's this, this big machine yeah. right? and, and organizations get very good at doing business a certain way. That's what they should be doing and optimizing for that process. And then you get a new technology come along and now you go, oh, all right, or well, I have to rethink that. And that means I have to change a whole bunch of people's jobs or a whole bunch of processes yeah. and things like that. And that just takes time.
0: And is that why do you think, you know, we always talk about, oh, everyone's so
1: siloed in big businesses. I mean,
0: there's almost no other way of doing it, right? Because you're just so focused on your piece of the massive puzzle, it's almost impossible to look at the whole piece, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you get, you, you get specialization, so you get marketers and people like that, they know marketing and that's, and part of that this the beauty of big organizations yeah. is that I can actually employ someone who knows a lot about a little. Yeah. Um, whereas in a smaller business like, you know, even like this is like, you guys know.
0: A little about a lot.
1: A little about yeah. a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it literally is that, yeah. Because we can't be experts at everything because you haven't got the time. Um, so with somewhere like Optus going on that data journey, because you've already mentioned there, kind of the Teradata into Hadoop, into cloud, like, you know, that 2010, which is when I started here in data recruitment, it was, you know, your SAS SQL world and I saw that journey as well. You we obviously stayed at Optus for 11 years. So there must've been a reason for that. Were they, what was it that kept you there? Were they forward thinking? They allowed you to kind of create ideas? Like what was it about them?
1: Um, so, so one, good, good organization to work with. Yeah. Um, lots of really good people in the organization. Um, really enjoyed my time there. There was good career opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, So you work with some good people. They were an organization that um, gave you an opportunity to take a new role. And and then like I moved from a product development role into advanced analytics over over an 11-year period. Um, And that's all happened as a result of um, career opportunity and people being able to mentor and guide you. Some great senior leaders there um, who helped um, guide people. And they were doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, they did their uh, did all their big rebrand, um, bought a lot of the customer centricity um, back to it. That was a great process to go on as well. So, yeah,
0: nice. Yeah. So you mentioned mentors there and leadership. I mean, a topic that people are always very interested to hear. So, you know, you can name names. You don't have to name names. Anyone that you can pick out, you're like, this is someone who really helped me, and and this is why, because you know, everyone wants a good leader at the end of the day.
1: Um, it's probably three actually. Good three three people in particular. i um. Actually, probably more than that. But, um, I mean, in a role in, in a strategy role, you get access to a bunch of the senior leaders. Sure. Um, in the organisation, and that's always fabulous, um, because they've got many many years of experience and and can get guidance. Um, but yeah, I had so three people in particular there's a gentleman by the name of Andrew Mm Buey who uh, was the leader of one of the divisions and then um, he chose to go on and take on a lot of the um, mentorship and career development for Singtel group
0: oh wow okay
1: Um, so he did a lot of the early career stuff he did a lot of the um, mentoring people on how to to get through their careers and things like that and he was just a just a all-round good leader and gave people good advice on how to make transitions, right? So, oh, well, there you
0: go. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, so he was he was big on the uh, one of his ones was rock climbing analogy. So if you cl- if you rock climbing, you always have three points on right. the wall. So if you think your oh, hands, okay. hands yeah, and feet yeah, yeah. Uh, are points, three of those points will be on the wall at any point in time. Um, so his his career advice was you only want to be moving one point. So if you're uh, we use my example. Yeah. So, you're a product development person who wants to become an advanced analytics person. You don't
0: leap over the. You don't try leg. and do yeah. that leap yeah, that directly.
1: Sense. You might move from product development yeah. into another division where you're doing product development in a different area.
0: Yeah, okay. More data related. Or, or what I did was yeah.
1: I, went from, I went from doing development on the products to doing analysis on the products and how they were performing. So, you start doing them increasing the analytical role. Nice. Um, and then progressively did um, an analytical role in strategy. And then from there, I went to, to commercial and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So
0: I'm guessing you dished that advice out quite a bit throughout your career after you heard that as well. When people were like, I want to be over there straight away. You know, I want to be a data scientist, for example. from. Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's imagine. been fairly yeah, liber- yeah. liberally handed yeah. out over the years. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, I can understand that. And who else was there?
1: Um, so there's a lady by the name of Sue Bailey. Yep. Sue was running the. Sue ran the program to She ran Virgin Mobile for a number of years, and then um, went and ran the the rebuild of all the CRM system basically. So how they're processing all the customers. A couple of year transformation yeah, project. Big, big project. Big project. Um, and she was just really good from um, how you present. Mm-hmm. Um, and all three of these leaders share the same characteristic, which is. Um, they're not the table thumping leader. Okay. They're all in the empathy for empathy for nice. the individual and how I can help them grow and they all share that trait. Um and yeah, it was just really good in terms of giving you feedback on things you were doing that you may not be aware of. Yeah, okay. So, how you might have been presenting in a, or language you're using in a meeting where the hidden stuff. The hidden the real yeah, hidden stuff okay. like um just language that stops you seeming confident in in what you're saying. So you, you paint a picture in the person you're presenting to is like, Oh, actually, should I be believing this? And using words like, Oh, it might be good if we did this. Correct.
0: Maybe we should do that.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, So just highlighting that and she's really good from, from that perspective. And then the last one was Vicki Brady, who's now um, ran the consumer division at at, um, Optus and then she's now the CEO of Telstra.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, she was just, she's just, she's more leadership role model than anything else is, you know, probably one of the best to look leaders. up to almost. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And model your lead. And, yeah. and, um, and her advice was, uh, you know, by all means look for leaders to, for role models. Sure. And people you want to go for, but also don't lose your own style. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be yourself. Be yourself. yourself. Be authentic yeah. as, as part of that process as well.
0: Yeah. This was interesting because I was, I was talking to a couple of people about this. When I was younger, I didn't really have. Heroes, you know, like a lot of teenagers, kids have got hero worship. Say, oh, I meet my hero, this, that, and the other, and it's always never meet your heroes because they're not who you want them to be. I never really had that thing because I was always like, well, they're really good at football. That's great for them, but that's not who I am. So they're not like a, a real hero. But I guess maybe different in the career sense because you can look up to someone's career. Um, one of the topics we were just talking about there, because in, in another meeting before this one one of our new leaders here Chris was just presenting on his leadership philosophy that's something we've been trying to do as leaders just to kind of verbalize it so we know what it is and the topic of do you need to be liked as a leader came up and i really wanted to just ask a few people about that over the next few weeks so as a basic statement do you think that you need to be liked as a leader in order to be effective
1: i think you have to have a good relationship with um i think it's pretty hard i think it's Pretty hard to work with someone mm. or have someone in your team who at least doesn't respect yeah um, they might not necessarily gel with you hundred mm-hmm. percent there may not be someone this that that wants to go and have a beer with you um, but I think it's pretty hard to work with someone who's who's toxic yeah um, and isn't trying to to be involved um, I don't think that's necessarily go far so far as liked correct um. But my leadership style has always been try and find what's important to that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find the only real way to do that is to develop a genuine yeah. relationship with someone. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you get very... Everyone has it over their career, right? So you get people who will work in your teams who are become lifelong friends.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah.
1: And, you know, generally speaking, they're the ones that you've been trying to mentor and help grow and, and yep. you see something special in them. So you're, yep. um, you're helping with that, that process. And then, you know, there's, there's other team members who just never gonna have that or, but didn't gel with you and they've yeah. moved on and they've gotten other roles and yeah. I'm not sure it's as far as liked, but it's, um,
0: well, that was the thing that came up because like is a weird word in this situation, but we were saying basically they need to know you're a good person they might not like you or what you're telling them or what you're saying to them because you might be giving them the hard truths or whatever it may be, but at least they need to have, like you said, respect that level of, I think that even if I don't want to hear what they're saying or like they say they're probably coming from an okay place, they're not toxic. I mean, they're not being a dick basically, like using that language. So that was kind of where I I come from is that, yeah, they don't need to like you, but there's got to be something there where they can at least have that conversation with you. If you just completely clash, then you're probably never gonna get anywhere, but because there's that old, I guess, the, more, the old school leadership phrase of they don't have to like me, they just have to do what I say, or they don't have to like me, they just you know, got to get on with it. But I don't think that really works as much now as maybe it would have done twenty years ago.
1: I think it's also um, engagement with your team, right? Yeah. So if it's that real top-down, this is what I want, this is what I want people to do. It's not leadership. No, but like that's just. I'm telling you what to do and, and you're do the it. pair of hands to get it done.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're a bum the seat and if you're not here, someone else will do it.
1: As opposed to the, the, I guess, leadership, yeah. like this is where we're going and then helping to your team yeah. to achieve that goal. That's fundamentally different.
0: Correct. But I guess it still becomes hard and that's because sometimes you just need something done though. Yeah. Which then becomes, I guess, you just sort to say, look, we need this as part of the vision. I know you don't like doing it, but we just, we just got to do it. And, you know, maybe I'm there next to you doing it as well. So that you know that, you know, we're not just expecting you. There was a great
1: HBR article about, oh, a couple of years ago, um, which talked about the the adaptive leadership style. Yeah. And there's sort of seven different leadership styles. And what their research was, was the ideal was 80% of the time. Yeah it's that collaborative leader that's that's needed you still need some of the yeah this is what's happening this is what's going to happen it just isn't a hundred percent of the time
0: that's good I really like that you've quantified that because you want to be that hundred percent of the time amazing bringing on a journey visionary leader right but You almost like shoot yourself in the foot by doing that because you might not actually get to your vision And then everyone just leaves because you've got nowhere So it's a good way of thinking about it because we always try and put it into a concept look. There's a business need There's the individual need which you know, maybe the person who's working on maybe there's a client need So we just have to find that balance and at the end of the day That business need usually is the one if there's a balance across all three is the one that just has to be the one that is what it is, you know, as the forefront. So... And
1: where, and where that becomes challenging obviously is when there's a disconnect between someone's goals yeah. and what they want to achieve mm-hmm. and what the business needs done yeah. now.
0: Here's another question for you, the leadership questions, leadership seminar, this now suddenly. Should you motivate your people or should they have to motivate themselves? There's a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, I just if I could just get them that little bit more motivated or something like that. Like, do you have thoughts on where that balance oh, goes. I
1: think th- 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 that, that, again, there's a... <laughs> there's a balance between both. Oh, I yeah. think there's two, that's two sides of the yeah. same coin, right? Yeah, so, okay. um, like I've experienced those environments where you've had a leader that's come in and said, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it was Kevin Russell at, at Optus came in and said, this is what we're doing. Here's the four priorities that we're going for. Yeah. And if it's not those four priorities... It's not happening. Yeah, and progressively killed projects. Really, like just absolute wow. like stop stuff. Yeah. And and it was and it was a real leadership moment yeah. of. Not only am I saying I'm doing this, I'm making a very clear point of stopping stuff. Yeah, and then and then, then there was moments of um, when Apple first launched the iPhone. Yeah, you know, two year, two months out from the launch of the iPhone. Um, Steve Jobs, Johnny Ive realized the design of the phone was wrong. It was going yeah. to create the wrong experience. So they redesigned it. Not many organizations, nah, would, not many, not nah. many organizations go, that's what we're doing. And yeah. that was in water licenses and book, I think. And um, it's, when you see stuff like that, that's when you go, I know I'm working for a company that's actually yeah. going to do stuff. And Optus was doing through that whole transformation process, they were doing a whole bunch of that stuff. It was like, no, it's this, not that this not that strong so th- strong leadership but. strong leadership yeah and but it also creates and then it created that positive energy right so there was a real um there was a campaign at the time um they called it brand camp um so it took <laughs> took, all, took all the took all the leaders out at the time um so 350 the senior leaders yeah. in the organization um they all spent a day going through that and then we progressively rolled that out through the organization. So everyone was on the same page, like real big internal campaign to get everyone aligned on it. And just the energy created, made made people want to go and do stuff. They went through 20 odd thousand pieces of marketing collateral Wow! to go, no, that dies, that dies, that dies, that dies, that needs to be redone. That transformation, like huge amounts of work. Yeah, but Um, worth it. Worth it, and I think it was. People knew they were working on something that was big. Mm-hmm. It was something that was going to go on a resume. Yeah. So all of that, you know, in inherent motivation comes through. And then, you had leaders setting example and creating good environments. And so it was like two sides of the same coin.
0: I really, really like the way you said that because, you know, again we're a small business here, but from what we hear from candidates we speak to, those who have the open book to what's going on are invested, they want to stay. And that's then maybe they start motivating themselves more because they feel part of the process. If they're in the, just do that because that's your job and they don't really know why or what they're doing it for then That's where you you run into a problem. So it sounds like Optus really nailed that where they just got everyone in and went, you know what, it's gonna hurt a little bit, but hey, we're going here and this is why we're doing it. We're on the journey together. And that's strong leadership as we've said. Going back to your career journey, what was it like going from somewhere well, not just me asking this, cause I've been here 13 years ago, but going somewhere you're super comfortable, right? Yep. Optus, super comfortable. And yes, I know you moved to another telco, but you went into a big role at that other telco, right? And you, like, what was that like going in there as a leader who doesn't have the same skin in the game, doesn't have necessarily that instant respect from the team? What was that transition like for you?
1: Um, yeah, challenging. I mean, I went in there, I spent, um, first thing most of my team was in Melbourne, I was Sydney based.
0: Right, that's so, a brilliant conversation for the last few years as well. So, yep. Yeah,
1: so two thirds of the team was, was in Melbourne. We could travel at the time. This wasn't COVID, sure. this was before COVID, so. You were you up know, and down a bit? Up and down, a um, bit. Telstra people as a rule, uh, up and down a bit, to, there's a fair bit of traffic sure. between Sydney and Melbourne office, so that's two headquarters. Yep. But get down there, meet the team, meet each, every single individual within the team, yep. um, go spend some time with them, get to know them, get to know what, what, where they're at, what's their career journey. Um, all of that stuff, which I just thought was just, it's just the right thing to do, yeah. like get to know your team. Um, and then the, the second part of it is, is like, you come in with a fresh set of eyes. I mean, that's why you bring people in from outside. Yep. You come in with a fresh set of eyes. I came from a competitor, so I knew what the competitor was doing with, yep. with, um, with data as well. So you can go, okay, here's where the gaps are. This yep. is where you guys are ahead. Must be pretty interesting to literally have them both there next to each other going, ah, oh. So this is what you guys have been doing all this time. Yeah. it's a, yeah. Uh, The funny part about it is, is when you think someone is doing something that yeah. they're not.
0: And you're like, oh, we better do that before they go, they're doing it better than us. But
1: nope. Yep. We're all in the same boat. Or they are genuinely doing something better. Yeah. And you go, oh, that's what you guys have been doing for the last three years. That's what's been that's happening. That's pretty cool. Um, so you come into, come into that. And then it's how you get your leadership team on board with what it is that, that you are setting as a strategy. Yeah is ultimately the leader's responsibility is set direction strategy and then help the team to, to make it happen and, and go through that process of how do you build that collaboration yeah. and, and desire? And then how do you build trust? Yeah, well, that's um, the other thing.
0: So how did you find that with two-thirds of the team being in Melbourne? I know you go down, you visit, but was there a longer transition for you? Did it cause any issues?
1: Uh, well, we had um, one leader leave um,
0: was that because they wanted your job and they didn't get it? No. Or, okay, right. Because that's another thing that happens sometimes, yep. right? Yeah.
1: No, it was just they were tra- they were transitioning into wanting a different career. Like they ultimately wanted to do yeah. farming. Ah. And
0: that's quite different.
1: Yeah. I mean they they had uh, their they had their hobby farm. They were growing their hobby wow. farm and.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there's no way you can keep that person then. No. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough.
1: Um. So yeah, they were. They, they eventually transitioned out, but most of the team for the the couple of years that it ran, like it was, we had really low turnover in that nice. um, that team. Nice,
0: but then you decided, yeah, oh, I'm gonna do something completely different. Still in data, but very different environment at Kusu, KUSO, sorry. Um, I always get that one wrong because the second O. Um,
1: Spent two years correcting people for that one.
0: Yeah, I bet you did, <laughs> yeah. And I also want to say Kusu because it's two years, but anyway, I didn't name it, it's fine. Um,
1: means imagination, by the way. Does it? Yep. In which language? Uh, so it's a misspelling of a Japanese word, the Japanese word from- Oh, for so Im- it is spelled wrong. It is spelled. it is absolutely <laughs> spelt wrong. Um, I think it's K right. in, in Japanese. Okay. Um, and it was the Japanese word for for imagination. imagination. Uh, it was also Lego's beta, beta process. Oh, okay. So it used to, if you wanted to build a new Lego set, it went through the, the Lego Kuso process oh, cool. for, for a number of years. Is hence, it? Hence Databricks, so.
0: Was it set up by a Japanese person? Nope. Is it any Japanese links?
1: Uh, nope. Cool. No. Although it did have a, <laughs> there, was, there was someone who worked at the broader group who actually worked for the Kuso brand right. in Japan.
0: So it's like when people go to Europe um, and get drunk and get a Chinese symbol tattoo and it's spelt wrong. Yeah, pretty much. Cool, okay, that makes sense. Um, So, anyway. Turns
1: out naming companies, turns out coming up with company names that uh, have meaning is actually quite hard.
0: Really difficult, yeah. Or you could just have a really long one that's actually really hard to say at the end of the day, like precision sourcing, which turns out like precision sourcing. I did
1: work for a company called uh, IVS at one point early in my career, which is uh, Interactive Voice Systems. Unfortunately, S and F sound exactly the same on a phone <laughs> so whenever you call people up they call think you work FF. for the in vitro for the you have a few divorces along the way there like, let's
0: be honest um, alright anyway small environment break it down what was it like going from big to small and then try to really drive that growth
1: yeah um, well, so basically it complete change yeah. because ultimately everything stops with you mm-hmm. um, so all the decisions come from you um, all the prioritisation comes from you. Admittedly, part of the bigger mantle group, so sure. you're still working within some constraints there.
0: But it's your business that you're it's in charge that, of. You've got the
1: PL, You've you got the PNL. Yeah. Um So that was, you know, a trend. Uh, that was a transition. Mm. Um, and a different from, pressure. Different pressure, and then more sleepless nights. Uh, definitely lots of sleepless nights. Yeah. I had the luck of we were hiring for my principal consultant. As I was joining, right. Nice. Um, so I was only there by myself for two weeks, okay. And then I had a team member come and join. Who actually, it was an awesome experience. Like we, we, we talked about it the other day. It was like that first three months of just building. The brand and the business and what we go to market with and all of that and winning the first customers and
0: that must be a lot of fun when it's that real
1: just like things are rolling and you're just getting it done kind of vibe yeah i mean the i mean you and you guys will know this one the biggest challenge running that business for two years was was probably twofold which was one databricks was just coming into australia so organizations still need to go on that journey um so data engineers yeah (laughs) the rare the rarest rare unicorns in australia right and then the borders closed that helped as well didn't it yep
0: and COVID happened for you.
1: So yeah, don't do that. Don't uh, don't start. And We're build not a, doing the COVID chat
0: this podcast. Don't, We've don't done it start a build a brand it. in yeah.
1: COVID. That's that's the no. tip. In lockdown. So Sydney, yeah. Sydney and Melbourne. So the flip side of the conversation yeah. there. I had team members in Perth, cool. Brizzy, Sydney, Melbourne. I could see the Sydney ones. Yeah. For a coffee, a socially distanced coffee. Not ideal. Not not ideal. <laughs>
0: but at least their engineers can get on with their job. Yep. Can do good work.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and then I mean, the group itself did some really cool stuff. Uh, you are familiar with this, but they have this concept of the hubs. Yeah. So and using the offices for as a not as a tool. Yeah. As opposed to necessarily a place to go to do work. Um. So they have a hub on Magnetic Island. They have yeah. a hub in Queenstown. Um. So things like that were like COVID and the lockdowns actually went down the path for the organization of embracing the remote work and that shift in, in process. And they're an organization that's just never gonna go back. You yeah,
0: can- exactly. Well, I mean, they're winning all the best place to work for women, you know, best yep. places to work. Um, love some of the, I was down in Melbourne actually with the Mantle Group just before Christmas. Love the ideas around make good choices. Yep. You know, you don't have an expense policy. You just make a good choice. Do you need to fly to Brisbane to see that client? Is it worth it? Yes. Make that good choice. If you consistently make bad choices, you just get pulled in a room and say, Hey, are you maybe have a look at this, right? So I've actually implemented that in our leadership team here. I stole that, make good choices. So we've started been doing that more, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, value, the values at Mantle, the principles at Mantle were, were quite good. Yeah. And talk about another transition. So when you go from an organization, <laughs> organization Sign everything. That, that has a process for everything yeah. to an organization that literally doesn't have a process yeah. and brutal,
0: yeah, but in a good
1: way, in a good way. But you're also, it's almost
0: like, you know, that first time you call in sick at a new job and you feel a bit nervous, what they don't believe me. You're constantly thinking that every time you're making a choice at this company, because you're like, I don't need to ask
1: anyone. Yeah, and great example, right? So the way they did the inductions, um, so there was seven business leaders. Mm. When I was there, there were seven B leaders, um, of which I was one. Mm. And then you had Con, who looks after the broader group. And every week, every fortnight, we all, that eight people, sat down with every new startup for that fortnight and asked me anything. Yeah, You know, you've had two, two weeks to, to go through the principles and things like that. And, and yeah, you regularly get questions. That, we We regularly got some of the same questions like, how do the brands all work together? Yeah. Um, but then every now and then you get, a, you get an absolute corker yeah. and be like, oh, actually, right. Yeah, we should probably think about that. It mm-hmm. was a, that's a really good, really good question. And, and then, then just like Con oh, and Michael and Caroline and all the founders of the organization, they live and breathe those principles yeah. and they role model those behaviors. Um, if you're gonna have a principle-based organization, you have to have your leaders have to actually live by them yeah, and sense. role model them because people will see that pretty sharpish yeah it becomes very obvious very quickly that you're it's what's written on the wall i mean everyone's 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 had it in their career they've had an organization where what's written on the wall is a certain values and it's very obvious that what's being rewarded is it's just bullshit not that. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome to hear because I, I hear a lot of great things about the people who work there as well. Not just because I know some of them myself, but um, it does sound like a great place to work. So, in, in COVID, it's, I'm always interested to hear this. You're trying to set up a business. What was your BD strategy? How, how did you even go about winning business as a new business in a lockdown? Like, where did you even start?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, well, so I did have, a, did have one real big advantage, yeah. which is we had the group. Right. Okay. Um, so, so we had, could cross. So we have pre-existing relationships. Fun. Okay. Um, and you're so the
0: only data bricks business in there. in there. So yeah. Okay.
1: Um, the first client was we, the Eliza Group, did the data strategy yep. for an organisation, and then what came out of the data strategy was
0: better do b- Databricks well and right,
1: not, a, not because that's <laughs> no, what we did no, but it was, it it was, was legitimate recommendation yeah. for the organisation it was the right tool yeah. for the right job
0: because they could have gone to someone else in the group or even outside the group and done something slightly different but Databricks was the option good, good
1: choice sure um, so then that led to us getting that piece of work yeah um, then we had a team member over in um, Perth mm-hmm. they could still go out to meetups oh of course yeah uh, over, in, over in Perth um, so he was networking with people over there and built the relationship, and that led to the second client. Nice. And then we built relationships with the Databricks salesforce as well. So then they started bringing us into to opportunities. So it was quite organic. It sounds like they, you yeah. weren't you weren't sat in that
0: boiler room with the phone, just giving it these ones. And yeah, we away. we
1: eventually signed on to be the Databricks delivery partner. Yep. So. Our team would show up on a client site like they were Databricks employees.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: Um, so we were effectively subbing our team into to Databricks. Yeah, that helps. Um, which then built relationships with clients. Yeah. And the client figures out very quickly that you're not actually a Databricks person; you're actually a yeah. Kuso employee. Nice. Um, one LinkedIn search will do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, so that's how sort of the the, the client place grew, and then. You know, start winning some awards from Databricks yeah. and start getting some references and things like that. And it, so, it grew. So it went from you
0: and your principal, and then when you finished up with them just before Christmas, where were they numbers-wise? 20. Yeah, so amazing growth. Yeah, over,
1: over um, 18 months. Yeah, brilliant. Um,
0: and then obviously, as with these groups, Mantle Group got another consultancy and they merged with you, right? And
1: yep, and two heads into one doesn't fit, right? The, 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 the stars aligned. Yeah. Yes, the, uh, at the right time. So it was like, okay, good. Got, got the, it was, the business was in a really good, we won a couple of really big contracts. Great. Um, so you
0: left in a really good place.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the team was in really, a really good really good situation. We had some, we, we'd gone to the point where we were starting to bring on you know graduates mm-hmm. um, to bring them through because you had a big, yeah. big enough team that you yeah. could actually start mentoring people and everything like that. So it was just a really nice natural junction. It was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay, right. Good. I can go have a break. Fantastic. Go catch up on some sleep.
0: Yeah. And how's that break been?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Been uh, traveling around Australia. Have you? Riding motorbikes. Oh, right. Nice. Uh, well, I've been riding motorbikes around Australia. I've been uh, traveling around Australia, you know, some time over in WA. We yeah. did some...
0: Margaret River, I think you were saying before the yeah, podcast. Yeah, Margaret
1: River. Did some, did some trips up to Harvey, just trip up to Harvey Bay just nice. then. Learned to make some bread oh did you yeah, it turns out I'm terrible at making sourdough oh it's no a, yeah because
0: we're just about to start sidebar um Sarah in our office makes bread she's incredible like um, all these focaccias sourdoughs amazing she was up at our house a couple of weeks ago and she made us a fresh focaccia in the morning it was like the best thing I've ever tasted throughout the oven anyway she left us some of her sourdough starter so we've just got it there ready now this weekend we're gonna bake our first bit of bread my wife and I she's the baker not me I'm excited but if I did it I would be terrible not yep. a baker. So, are you going to keep trying? I'm
1: going to keep I'll, I'll get this eventually. It's, uh, we're not going to give it now. It's, uh, we'll what happens? Does it fold in like too doughy? Just, do, just doesn't rise. Just, do, just doesn't rise. Put it in the oven. Just, it looks you like make a flatbread. It looks like flatbread. Fine, it looks like focaccia. Call it a
0: flatbread <laughs> and get on with it. You know, you'll be fine. Um, so, what, so what's going to happen now for you? So you've had a bit of a break. Um, you know, you're obviously at that senior end of the market. The, the job market changes for someone such as yourself once you got to that top end, right? The opportunities are few and far between, but there are some amazing opportunities out there. Have you had any thoughts about how you're going to approach the market this time? Because I'm guessing, and I'm just guessing here the last couple of roles, maybe through your network or?
1: Yeah. So, um, well last one, um, the group reached out to me Okay, and they have got a fairly awesome recruitment team over there. Um, the role from Optus to Telstra was through the network. Right. Um, so, a bunch of the execs from Optus what moved across Telstra, to, yeah. to Telstra. So, contacts start appearing there. And because yeah. of course, you've got the industry experience. So, yeah, it's transitioning from the same role to the same role. Yep. Yeah. Um, just different wallpaper. Yeah,
0: different wallpaper. So,
1: what about this time? What's, uh, what's so the first step? So, so, network will be first step. Um, we'll be reaching out to people within the network. You're um, reaching out to people like yourselves, yep. um, even just from a... Um,
0: advice angle.
1: Advice, who, who, are, who are you guys working with in yeah. terms of, of who's hiring and, and looking for, for roles and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then, then the second part of it is also making sure it's the right type of role where I can actually leverage my skills and experience mm. to add the most um, value. And
0: without putting your foot in it and saying, I'll only work for this type of company in case you go and interview with someone else. um, Have you got a blueprint of, because you've done obviously as we discussed quite different types of companies. Is there like, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that, that kind of build up phase again, or you're happy going into the bigger corporate again and you're not really thought.
1: Oh, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like, I like the whole principle based Mm. um, structure. You know the, the whole very autonomous yeah. and not a lot of rules and processes and things like that's typically not a big corporate yep um that said i'm not averse to a, to to big corporations um i i would like to work in an organization where we've got where they're doing interesting things um with data my 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 stuff's always about how do we get change and um momentum so and and helping with that process i've got yeah. a bit of a blueprint now for how you get value from organisa- from data in an organization, and rarely is the answer technology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, technology is part of it. Don't yeah, get me wrong, course, but yeah. you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of strategy and culture and capability in the and organization. People and, people and, and yeah, all of that
0: part. Well, it's an exciting time for you. Yeah, there's so many options, especially now you've given yourself that balance in your career as well. That, that CV looks very different. Gives you, I guess more options in that sense as well which is which is good and we were talking about this before the podcast as well it's interesting with an agency like ours. obviously our sweet spot is that middle section the people who you would usually work for you and our contacts aren't usually your boss they're usually someone like you um but what we're able to do is if you say hey i'm going to interview with xyz company we'll be like oh yeah you know they've been doing some cool stuff people say good things about them and Happy days, you know, that's a yep. good, good direction to go. So um, fingers crossed we can do that for you. Well, look, we're nearly at the end. Smash through that. Usually at the end we wrap up. I have one fun question I always like to ask. It's a bit of a weird one, but I'm gonna do it because it's fun. Um, and that is the zombie apocalypse question. Right. So you're in a zombie apocalypse, your family's safe. So you're not allowed to say your family. They're in a bunker, locked away. Which three people, fa- fictional, non-fictional, from a book, from TV, whatever, would you want with you in the apocalypse? It's really hard when you've never thought about it before. And I can see it's not one that you've been asked. No. Some people are just like, bang, I've been asked that before. I know exactly who I would bring.
1: Look, you're probably going to want someone with uh, a reasonable amount of military and survival skills. Bear grills, yeah. probably a pretty safe bet. He's solids, yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, look, you're probably going to need someone with some scientific... Yep. Uh, Inventing curing,
0: or like more like a doctor, or more like a inventing stuff.
1: Well, I think you probably want both, yeah, right? You do, yeah. So you probably want the medical person. Yeah. Um, I don't think look, my 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 go-to doctor is Doctor House. Um, <laughs> you I'm wouldn't just, want him, though. I'm just not sure I can spend an eternity <laughs> no,
0: him hobbling around <laughs> complaining
1: about everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, but you know, someone with someone with a, a medical background, yeah. and then you know, you probably want yeah the the scientist, so. You know, we can, we, can, we can have, like, the Alan Turing or the... Uh, that would work. Yep, yeah, someone, someone who's going to help us uh, create the new technology that maybe overcomes the zombie apocalypse. There you
0: go. Yeah, good idea. All right, well, on that note, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? Oh, that's good. Thank good. you for having us, Joe. No worries. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Russell.